Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm getting the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Tell it for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. College football season is over, but 11 personnel, we ain't going nowhere. A lot has happened in this week, Nick Roush. <laughs> Did you see that? Hall of Fame guy? Oh, man. That dude is, uh, he's like, um, when I think of like, so Adam, look, I'm sure you used to play NFL Blitz when you were a kid and you get yeah. cheat codes, mm-hmm. and they'd like be like monster sizes. That's what he's like. He's like disproportionate to a normal human person. Okay, Howie Long and Michael Strahan are not small human beings. They're Hall of Fame defensive linemen. And this guy <laughs> was towering over them. Which I believe his and name is Jim da- Baker? David Baker. David Baker, yeah. And he had great suits. Terrific sports jackets. Dude, those suits. How, who makes those suits? Like, there's not a big and oh, tall he, section. He's got his own uh, tailor on retainer. <laughs> he goes to the same place that, like, those big, fat Italian mobsters go to. Mm-hmm. But before we get into all the college football stuff, I just had to bring that up. That was – I was mesmerized <laughs> the two times I saw him on oh, TV over and, the weekend. And also, I was, like, in tears watching Jimmy Johnson. Right. Like, that was awesome. Well, for my life achievements, I want to see if I can hire Terry Bradshaw to come and clap for me. <laughs> There's no better hype man. <laughs> no better hype man. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, that was cracking me up. But. Terry Bradshaw, just in general – Great on TV because he's not like actually that good, but he's good enough, entertaining enough, and also kind of bad too. Like he, there'll be times when like uh, who's who's the ho- Kurt Menefee's like mm-hmm. he just starts like reading what Terry's supposed to, obviously supposed to be doing, and like you can almost hear like a and here he comes Terry, and you're like ah oh, Terry that old goof he messed up again. He used to be their loose cannon. He's kind of like their corso, but they've gotten a little older now, so. Pat McAfee's coming. He's Corso's replacement, right? See, I don't know. I think – I don't know what ESPN wants to do with him because he could do NFL or college football. I hope college football locks him up. But, yeah, I, something big's coming for him. For I sure, hope for, college for football does. I, uh, Ryan Lemon said he wasn't liking Pat McAfee. I love the uh, the P.T. Barnum in him. I mean, right. he's he a great can, hype man. Sometimes he can go off a little bit. But for the most part, on game day this year, I really enjoyed him. Jumping in the river at Baylor. Oh, hilarious! Wearing the uh, the hoodie, the smock. The oh, he wore a smock too. Yeah. I didn't see him wearing the the Matt Rule smock. Which, by the way, Matt Rule, dude's making moves. I know. Just hired Joe Brady. Man, which 
we have a lot to talk about from the other world sports, but we're going to start. I want to start with the meat and potatoes, and that's the college football national championship that happened last night. And one thing that I noticed, Adam Luckett, is that Joe Brady, the man who is credited with being the mastermind behind uh, the LSU offense, um, he doesn't even call plays. 30 years old. He's the, he's the quote-unquote passing game coordinator. Mm-hmm. And so from what I could tell, he just sits next to Steve Insminger, who is just spitting in a cup and calling plays. Mm-hmm. So what what the hell is Joe Brady even doing that like all of a sudden now he's a superstar hire for Carolina Panthers? Long story short, I think just kind of the passing game and all the concepts they're using, he brought over. And they kind of let him kind of. He's from Sean Payton, correct? Right. He was. Uh, he played at William and Mary. He's from the Miami area, and he coached at William and Mary right out out of college, I guess. And somebody at William and Mary knew Joe Moorhead, so he went and GA for Moorhead at Penn State. Oh. He was Moorhead's kind of right hand man, and while Moorhead was at Penn State, he he tutored Brady, who's now the Panthers' offensive coordinator, and. Guy by the name of Josh Gaddis, who's Michigan's offensive coordinator. Yes, uh, previously at Alabama. So he goes there. I guess more Morehead becomes that hot shot coordinator. Everybody talks about. Puts in a good word for him. The Saints hire him, and he he wasn't even an on uh, on field staffer. He was just an offensive assistant. So I guess he was just breaking down film, or whatnot. And so uh, Ordron hires him this year, and I think it was just to kind of upgrade their passing game and just their scheme in general. Mm-hmm. So when the, when you ask them, he, they say he kind of handles third downs, obvious passing downs. They go to him, but I think a lot he probably has to do with a line share of the the game plan, putting the game plan together. And I'm sure he's he's telling Insminger like what coverage they're in, this or that. And if mm-hmm. you watch LSU, Joe Burrow checks with the line almost every play. And what they say, at least what the coaches broadcast, I learned from that last night. What he's doing is LSU is telling him what coverage they're in, out from the sideline, and then he, Burrow knows what, what to do in you know every play, every concept. Gotcha. Every passing concept they have, they say Joe Brady has the answer for all that. They call him a savant, it's, it's this ba- and that. So basically, he's it's almost like defensive football where the defense is typically concept-based defense and then you react to whatever the offense does. That's what LSU was doing is they were reacting to whatever the defense was in. And running their plays based off that. For the most part, LSU in their past game, a lot of times they're just looking for the one-on-ones. Oh yeah, I and they, when they found Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. just that. Whew, if there was one takeaway I had from last night, Blitz and Brent Venables, it's fun until you get stuck one-on-one with Jamar Chase and he just burns your ass. Here's the deal: we hear Mark Stoops say it all the time. We can draw whatever, but eventually there's going to be a one-on-ones and you got to win them. And <laughs> LSU with his passing game. Here's what Burrow does. He's so daggone accurate that he's going to give his receiver, even in great coverage, they're going to have a chance to make a play on the ball. Mm-hmm. And you saw last night that last touchdown, Terrace Marshall. Oh. Perfect coverage. He just yeah. went up and got it. And then oh, the one, Chase. The one that they dropped that would have been that the original Chase. dagger. Right. Dude, that was a freaking pass. Like, right. I can't believe he'd missed that one. That would have put him at, like, 280 passing uh, or receiving yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So what Clemson did last night essentially was they wanted to take away the deep middle and try to flood uh, 
the intermediate route, so they couldn't beat them with you know some of their option routes. But what that leaves them open for was one on ones on the outside. Some quick slants. Now most quarterbacks, you know, those slants that Burrow are throwing, like those aren't like easy passes. No, no. Well, and, just, and even when you had a rub route, mm-hmm. dude, that coverage on that rub route that I forget twenty four for Clemson, he jumped it. He yeah, was jumped dude it. That, Picked off the pass. That the kid before. was a zero star walk on out of Alabama. I don't know how Dabo and them find these kids. So wait, he's the only guy that's not a five star. Yeah, one of them. <laughs> yeah, one of the guys. Mm-hmm. My goodness, but that was like the most perfect. Like you can't draw a covering against a, a, a rub like that, right? Any better? Mm-hmm. But hey, it helps have really good guys catching passes, and like you said. A guy in Joe Burrow, they can do just about anything. I think the, what, the reason why the game was close in general at the beginning is just because LSU didn't know. Like, they couldn't react to Brent Venable's defense. Like, well, they, it caught them off guard. I think a little bit of rust, obviously, not playing in 16 days. Field position. I mean, they were starting in the shadow of their goalposts. Yeah, like the four-yard line, I think, and twice in a row. Clemson has good coaches and good players. They had a good plan coming out. I think the biggest thing Clemson did, man, I think their offense let them down in that game. Oh, yeah. Because Trevor Lawrence was trash, which we can get to. Which you got to give, you know, LSU props, Dave Aranda, their coordinator props. But Trevor Lawrence had to be great in that game, and he, he just wasn't. He was very – he was average. And Clemson had plenty of opportunities to really make a stamp in that game. The one defensive mistake they made is 21-17, mm-hmm. third and 17, LSU <laughs> on 25. <There's laughs> two minutes and change left. Whoa, whoa. Venables blitzes. And Mike, Mike Gundy brought this up on the coaches' room. He said, Brent's a great coach, but I guarantee when he goes back to watch this, he won't be mad about much. But he, he'll he he'll look at himself in the mirror and say, I should have just played coverage and yeah. ran up and tackled. Should have just played football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh-huh. they go down and score 28-17, boom. Even with Clemson scoring first drive out of the half, it's still I still that still kind of changed the just the – tenor of that game because if they could have scored but going into half then it's totally different then yeah. Clemson's got the lead this or that but yeah. LSU offense I mean I think we're going to get in this it's it's the best we've ever seen in college oh, football so just the the, the magnitude hey, hey I enjoyed watching them play because Joe Burrow just does this thing where early on it didn't work out because the blitzes were effective and they were just getting them out of nowhere so quick. I, I even asked you, I'm like, what the hell are they talking about with this three-down front? Like, they aren't the first people to play three-down linemen. Mm-hmm. But, uh, as you put it, and, you know, just texting, like, they would have any combination of, like, linebackers, safeties, like, dudes walking up to the line. It was... They try to confuse Joe Burrow and LSU with – that's what you use that alignment for. And they got a guy, a freak show in Isaiah Simmons, who's going to be a top ten pick. This kid has played rush in. Hmm. He's played safety. He's played both safety spots. He's played corner. They use him all over the field. So when you come out and he, try to he, recognize him, like you, don't know, right, you don't know what position he's playing a lot of times. So they tried to confuse him, and it was the same scheme Auburn used. They had three down, one linebacker, and seven DBs, and they were bringing four every time, but they would try to surprise you where that fourth guy came from, and then occasionally they would bring a fifth. But what Venable, Venables is a heavy blitzer, man. They were I, The coach's room is awesome. It's one of my favorite things to watch every year, and Gundy said anytime you get a big play against Venables, because he went Venables was Oklahoma's D.C. for a while, hmm. he says, like clockwork, He's coming after your ass the next play. <laughs> if he gets if he gets you with an explosive, he's going to try to you know win win back and get a negative play the mm-hmm. net the next down. So you have to be aware of that. And 
I think LSU's offensive line kind of struggled with some of the quickness of Clemson up front. Yeah. But the bottom line is LSU just had better players in that matchup. Yeah. You can say all the one-on-ones of the receivers outside, they won. Clemson's defensive line, they they didn't get an organic pass rush really. Everything they did no. was kind of had have to be creative. Well, and when they did get creative, Burrow – I mean, nobody's better at buying time and then just letting it rip. That's my favorite part of watching Joe Burrow play is as soon as he gets away and you see his eyes downfield, I'm just sitting there saying to myself, let it rip, let it rip, let it rip. And then when he does, it's just incredible. His feel for the game, and you can see it really in his kind of pocket mobility and how he can break tackles, move around, and really run to throw the ball. And then even have the legs where they ran that third and that later on they drive third and long they run the QB draw get a yeah, big game had to burn a timeout to mm-hmm. not get a delay a game right. which was a huge mistake and then what and did Burrow they do? was pissed because he thought they had no one in the middle of the field they had no safety there so he was <laughs> mad that they called that timeout but the get the guy the offense is just just ridiculous and and then they, but then they still run that play works to perfection and then the next play around which. Just that that film room, you've brought it up a couple of times. Mike Gundy, totally the alpha in that room. Derek Mason, definitely the beta in that room. Like Mason was was better than I thought he would be. Gundy and Patterson have a back and forth. It's just <laughs> like they could be the Joe B and Denny. They could have a radio show. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, they're in the same conference. They're different ideologies. One's big yeah. air raid offense, other guy's defense. Gundy called uh, Patterson out one time because – I guess Gary Patterson swims with sharks in the off season, so he says, "Yeah, he'll swim with sharks, but when we're in the red zone, he won't play me, man." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! That yeah. is great. So they were going back, I and mean, there was just little small things with them. Ma- Mason just because I, I didn't have it on the whole time. I was watching. I was flipping back and forth. I liked the ESPN broadcast because they really. From a, I know the common person won't notice it, but like as a media type who pays attention to like how they direct and program, like dude, they they bring their A game when it comes to showing all the different camera angles and the different just shots of the crowd, the quick hits going in and out. I love that stuff, and they're really great at it. They like that was their primo show, so I paid attention to that a lot of the time. Um, but I would kind of go to that coach's show, and every time that I was listening. Derek Mason was like trying to act like he was the coolest guy in the room, but he wasn't. And whenever there would be a kind of a silent part where it's like, okay, Derek, speak your piece, he just would have nothing to say. Yeah. Patterson is such a brainiac that it's hard. I mean, it's hard. There's a, He's sucking up a lot of oxygen in that room. But I think as we get in the offseason, we're going to talk about some of our favorite hires. One of mine was Jeff Halfley. Boston College's new head coach was in there, and he fit right in with Gundy and Patterson. Which is saying a lot. Now, Halfley's got an impressive background. He was an you know, an NFL assistant for a long time, so he knows, you know, ball. And he was really good. And he just played in game plan for Clemson. So he knew a lot of stuff that they were trying to do. So the coach's film room is something that I really enjoy, obviously. Uh I even had some people telling me that they watched it for the first time last night and they, they really got a kick out of it, so <laughs> I hope you at least turned into it for a little bit because it is yes highly entertaining if you have any itch of kind of like the X and O football stuff. Yeah, and the it's almost as entertaining as just cutaways to coaches dipping up in the press box. Like I, I mean, Innsbinger just must have a can just in 
all the time. There was never a moment where he wasn't like just getting a little, you know, right before the play was called. I, I love just football's guys guy. And while they're doing this too, Kerb Curb Street's going in, going on and on. It was either him or Chris. I think it actually probably was Fowler about. He's just been so strong throughout this entire ordeal. Oh and yeah, the story with his sister or daughter or daughter-in-law died. Yeah, in a plane his daughter-in-law wreck. died in a plane wreck on the way to the Peach Bowl, and like, it's very football guy, but also there's a side of like it's kind of sad. Like he's sleeping in the coach's office four nights a week. Like, what the hell, dude? Just go home. Like, <laughs> do you is it that bad of a commute? You can't just go home. They're like, oh, you know, he just he he's got to be there four nights a week, and I. Think it's hilarious because he's the most stereotypical, just Coacho. Like that's Coacho's kind of offensive coordinator, right? A dude who just lives with a log in his mouth and stays at the right. office for. Ensminger played there. He didn't want to go anywhere else. He's LSU to the bone. And but do you know how much dip those coaches' booths has seen? <laughs> I bet they got like just piles in the corner, just dips like... and f bombs. That's what that. <laughs> That's what the coaching booth does. Well, the thing is, too, is uh, if you use those paper cups, you know that some of them, like, are just either getting crushed up or getting soggy and there's, like, nasty spills. Like, you can't use the plastic Gatorade cups. Innsbinger was at least being a pro's pro and had the plastic red cup. Put the napkin in there. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was a pro's pro. This ain't his first rodeo. Um, but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed uh, Coach O postgame. Just whole state of Louisiana. He, he, he mentions the whole state of Louisiana two or three times, all about giving the trophy over his players, and it's all it's all recruiting, too. Like, oh, real. He, was, he, he went on with um, somebody last night, and he was talking about you know, so Van recruiting. Pelt. Yeah, Van Pelt was yeah, talking about recruiting. Yeah. And that's, that's what he does. And I just I, – I couldn't have been happier for Ed Orgeron, just as a big F you to all the haters, because – as Nick Saban said before the game, you kind of got to get with or get lost in modern football. You Nick can't, Saban was good he on was, that too. He was really good. And especially when he was talking, like, I saw somebody be like, why don't you just call out Kirby Smart That's name? what I was <laughs> – so I saw that. On, it was kind of like he was directly talking yeah. to Kirby. He was like, you can't yeah. grow up playing conservative football and just think that defense is going to win you every game. If you don't get with RPOs and start being dynamic in offense, you're just going to get outscored. Mm-hmm. And you saw that's what he did. This is what LSU did. Uh, and the ability to adapt, I just think is impressive. Right. I tip my cap to him. I tip my cap to O for knowing how to play his cards right and, and learning how to become a better coach because obviously he's not the dude now that he was at Ole Miss. Right. He's grown a lot, even, but it's impressed me even the years before, you know, bouncing back from that Troy loss to end up having a good season, taking that team to the Citrus Bowl. Mm-hmm. Last year, having a good season, getting punked by Alabama again, but not going in the tank, getting yeah. to a New Year's Six Bowl. And then this year, man, it the stars kind of aligned a little bit for them. And that Alabama thing above LSU's head was a huge thing. Because not only do you have Saban, the whole Saban issue, but 2011, man, they had a badass team with a badass defense Kicked everybody's butt that year. Was that the uh, Honey Badger team? Yeah, yeah, okay. So Mettenberger, uh, Jordan Jefferson, and Jared Lee split time. Okay, okay. But that defense had all kinds of pros on it. They kicked everybody's butt, and they go to New Orleans because that was the game of century that year. Nine six Tuscaloosa, they won. Right, right. They right. go to New Orleans, and Alabama just blanks them. Yeah, and really kind of embarrasses them. Put the offense was awful, and that's been a 
a big cloud over that program for a while. And we've heard all decade what what would happen if LSU ever had a quarterback. They had Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham on the same offense. They only yeah. scored 33, 34 points right, a game. Right, right. What would happen? And now and we kind of saw they they caught lightning in the bottle a little bit. George, uh, Justin Jefferson, their top receiver, was a three-star. Lowest commit in his class. Joe Burrow was a transfer who couldn't beat out anybody at Ohio State. Was good last year, then just kind of turns into Joe Montana this year. <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Alaire, another three-star Dude. running back who was who oh, averaged man. Nick. He averaged like four point two yards per carry last year. He, I mean, he was just he was a tough runner, but nothing like we saw. Now he's a spinning top that you can't tackle on the open field. <laughs> he really that's a good way to put it because. It's not just like he's a little dude and you can't get under his pad level. They get under it, but he just like hits and spins mm-hmm. and keeps going forward. He just keeps going forward. Trying to tackle that guy. Mm-hmm. You you call Derrick Henry Tractor Cito? That's the Tractor Cito. He's tiny. And he's just bouncing off guys like a pinball. Jamar Chase was a guy that was ended up being like a top 300 recruit out of Louisiana. But he was committed to Kansas at one point in his recruitment. Like he was a big recruit, but he wasn't – Superstar. He, he wouldn't all the dudes on Clemson's. So he he wins the Blitnikoff. Joe Burrow wins every award. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the top running back in the SEC. Jefferson was probably the top slot receiver in the country. Their offensive line wins the Joe Moore Award. Yeah. Their best player was a three star JUCO, Damian Lewis, who his recruitment came down to LSU in Kentucky. Did Duppet win any awards? I don't know if he won the Thorpe or not. But then I'm going to get to the defense. The defense <laughs> the defense wasn't so much. I mean, they got straight-up studs over there. Derek, Derek Stingley might be the best defensive player in the country, not named Chase Young. He he just totally – the biggest thing they had in that game, Clemson couldn't one-on-one LSU's guys. LSU could one-on-one Clemson's guys. Well, and you – And Stingley we, we talked about, might as well be Darrell Revis. We, I, I think we talked about this last week where – the plays that Clemson made against all those scrubs in the ACC, a lot of them were they would go and make those contested catches, but then they would like push the guy off and go run 30, 40 yards for a touchdown. LSU was tackling all those guys and making them add plays up. So like uh, there was there was a there was like a pretty big reverse that like it got a you know it gets a first down, but there's a big difference between a 10, 12 yard play and a 30 yard play mm-hmm. and a 50 yard play. And LSU was good enough in space to make sure that didn't happen. Right. They just Aranda paid two and a half million dollars to be their coordinator. Yeah. He, he earned high, high paid DC it was a, in football. I think it was the two highest paid DCs going at it last night with Venables yeah. and Aranda. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I, LSU just had better players and they had a remarkable season. I hate doing the whole best team of all time, best team of all time, because, yes, if if you took that 0-1 Miami team who had all them pros, yeah, but you stick them with them coaching staff in that scheme, and they play LSU tomorrow on a neutral field, LSU is going to win because it's different football. football is so much more advanced. Yeah, yeah, it's so much different. But offensively, I don't think it's crazy to say that's the best one ever. So, 60 touchdown passes for Smoking Joe. Okay. Who day? Yeah, he did that. He was breaking Colt Brennan and Tim Couch records. Yes, Colt Brennan records. Colt Brennan, who was playing in the WAC then, not even Mm -hmm. the Mountain West. 2007. Playing in the WAC, doing air raid stuff. I forget who their coach was. June Jones. It was June Jones? On a shoot. Uh, Yeah, which was June Jones won Hal Mummy, though, Mm -hmm. right? No. But – and then Tim Couch, Hal Mummy got in the SEC. So he breaks Colt Brennan's record by – 
four touchdowns. This is the FBS record. The SEC record beat it by 1,100 yards. Right. I mean, just absolutely smoked it. And that's couching the air raid back when SEC defenses had their thumbs up their butts for there half a season. They, they didn't run nickel defenses. <laughs> yeah, they had no – all those big – I mean, they had dudes like uh, Jeff Schnediger, who um, – yes, uh, I'm – Extrapolating here, they're probably a little bit more talented. Um, you know, it was more like Derek they had Johnson. cinder blocks for shoulder pads. <laughs> exactly. That's the what you should have in mind when Tim Couch was just throwing it all over the field around those guys, and they're doing this against seven teams that finished in the AP top twenty-five, seven teams that were in the top ten when they played them, and who won the Kublik. I want. I want to get this lineup right because it's a murderer's row of accomplishments. Oh, yeah. that their opponents had. So, from Cole Kubley, their opponents were the ACC champs, they were the uh, Big 12 champs, the SEC East champs, the Orange Bowl champs, the Fiesta Bowl champs, the Sugar Bowl champs, the Citrus Bowl champs, the Alamo Bowl champs, and the Texas Bowl champs. Mm-hmm. They beat some good football teams. Right. And the big, my big takeaway from all of this is that they were the real Tigers. They weren't some paper Tiger from Dabo Sweeney. He built up this whole entire thing. It was one of those things where I always thought, like, you know, Dabo's a good coach. I'm not, uh, you know, I can do without the Jesus stuff. That's just not my cup of tea. I'm just, I'm just not about that life. I'm a Catholic. You know, we keep it all in. We don't talk about Jesus. We, we just we keep it to ourselves. But I, he completely lost me with all this bull crap, trying to play woe is me. Oh, you're disrespecting our league, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, it's because they sucked, okay? They're absolute garbage, and when you play garbage all year and you don't face real adversity, he made up all that adversity. It was all just like, oh, man, this is just, oh, the, the media doesn't respect us. Or no, wait, no, I should be like, that media, they just don't respect us. They don't care about us, Paul. That Paul Feinbaum, he's mean to us. Little Clemson. They're disrespecting the Clemson Tigers. You were the defending national champions. You cannot play woe is me after winning 27 straight games. Part of the reason why you did is because you didn't play anybody. Right. When adversity struck Clemson, what did Trevor Lawrence do? He sucked. He was throwing balls into the dirt. He was fumbling it. They, the one pass... Where they, they really needed a drive. They really needed a string together. They got robbed on that P.I., though. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was We can admit that. <laughs> the, the Pac-12 officials and Chris Coy. Yeah, we can get to that uh, if we want of to. Of course, they're at it again. Well, I think – I don't know if we're allowed to. But, <laughs> of course, they got hosed to a certain extent. But Trevor Lawrence was just bad. And you know what happened when LSU – when adversity struck them, I'm not going to lie. I had, I, I was, had some money on the Tigers out of market. Um, at the beginning of the game, I was like, oh, man, this is uh, this ain't looking good. What do they do? Joe Burrow, after calms the hell down, rips a 52-yard touchdown off and then just goes on a 14-0 run just mm-hmm. like that. They, they, had, they knew what it was like to face adversity head on. They'd done it seven other times, ten other times this season. LSU or Clemson hadn't played a top 25 team until last week, two weeks ago. And played a real physical opponent that was going to punch them back in the mouth until two weeks ago. Folks, that's, that's, that's a part of winning football games. And Clemson hadn't learned how to win because they hadn't played anybody to teach them that. Yeah, I think with Dabo, the thing is, they got this long winning streak and the complacency sets in, and they started slow. Like, Lawrence started really bad to start the season out. He needed to throw, like, two picks against Louisville in the first half. Georgia Tech game, on opening night, he looked like crap. And 
they're obviously playing with their food a little bit, and Dabo knew his schedule stunk, so he had to kind of build something for mm-hmm. them to fight back against. So a lot of that was coach speak, and he can be insufferable sometimes. Yes, yes, that's putting it like And the woe is me, like the underdog card that he sells, that can be, you know, a little much. The the guy with a slide in his football facility is going to tell me about little old Clemson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, I, I kind of got where he came from in that. But, yeah, last night watching, you couldn't help but think, like, man, Clemson really hadn't been in this spot all season. Like, they've been on cruise control for, you know, the last nine weeks of the year, really. Yeah. And so I, I, I did think about that. And then it, it gets into next year. That it, It's going to be kind of the same thing. They go to Notre Dame in November, which will be more of a test. And I think that's going to be good for them to have that game that late in the year rather, rather than early, to have, you know, a test that late. But, man, you look at, like we talked about last week, this ACC potential everlasting winning streak. I looked it up, okay. Oklahoma in the Big Eight, Big Eight, they won like 52 straight games. Okay. Clemson is sitting at 20, 20-ish something. So they need like they need two they need to run the table two more seasons and then that year then the year the after that. The following year. But they could do it. I mean, they're going to have Trevor Lawrence next year and mm-hmm. he might not lose as a conference game in his career. And then they got the number 1 quarter or number 2 number 1 quarterback depending on the ranking after that. So who knows? Man. But you, but that gets into it. Like, I mean, that's, does that does that, that is that affecting them when they get to this big moment? Yeah, I, that was the reason, the, my angle the entire time leading into the game, and that's why I took bets from all of my friends going in. I had built up a nice little little stash mm-hmm. from bowl season, and I was like, you know what? I don't care if I lose it all. Damn it, I'm dying on this hill that Clemson hasn't been tested, and this is it's going to come back and bite him in the ass. And frankly, it did because. They just weren't losing that game in New Orleans. What, bottom line. What 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 the, what what the hell was wrong with Trevor Lawrence at the end? Was it because he didn't? I didn't feel like he got hit that much, but he just looked rattled. Something was off. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. He just rattled. He just wasn't he, seeing things clearly. I guess he was weird. Oh, speaking of weird, a where the hell was Bo Jackson at halftime? They had like almost everybody there except Bo. So you got beef for Herschel. I don't know. And also, just give it Barry to, Sanders at nine. Yeah. Okay. Sad. Like, obviously, you'd have to go back and – Yeah. I didn't see Red Grange play football. No, no. <laughs> so, um, I'd have to go back. But Jim Jim Brown was no more for his pro accomplishments than his right, college ones. Right. So, like, I don't know what they were – Like, Herschel Walker, I thought, was going to be the number one guy. It's hard to believe that no one in our lifetime yeah, that's is not can make that list. Especially if you're going to measure impact – then get some dude who threw for a bunch of yards recently. Or get like Tebow. Tebow, yeah. Like dude, Tebow did it for three or four years. Four years because the first year he was power football running quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what did Jalen Hurts do last year? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So that that was kind of annoying. well. That started the Wildcat quarterback phase, kind of. That's when yeah. that got really popular. Was was yeah. with that cutie and power. Ronnie, Ronnie Brown gets all the credit for it, but Tebow made it where it was like, okay, well, your your running quarterback can also be a linebacker. Gus was doing that in college with Felix Jones and Darren McFadden and Peyton Hillis at Arkansas before Miami started. See, there. I give Houston Nut credit for that. You know why? Because mm-hmm. his name's Nut. He's a nut job. Get it? See what he did there? He's uh, Twitter's favorite college football coach. I don't know if you know that. That's like a end thing. 
is any job oh, opening yeah. to say Houston Nut. I thought you were going to say that he's actually good at Twitter. I was like, Houston Nut oh, no. doesn't know what Twitter no. is. No. Also, looking at Gary Patterson, I finally figured it out. He looks like Houston Nut's like brother who was able to keep it together. I could see that. Yeah. like He was like the one that's like, all right, Gary, he's got a control. Got a Houston. Good, got uh. a good accountant job. He's been able to hold down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he still drinks you know, 12 beers every night when he comes yeah. home, smashes Bud Light, uh, and especially Catholic fish fries. He's on that tap. He's got that keg ready to roll. He's up at Roosters every Friday night after the kids go down to bed. Yeah, yeah. Get about 18 in <laughs> going home. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the other, ra- like, weird moment, the, the pregame walk around with the president was, I'm not really sure what they were trying to do, but something just felt a little off. Like the whole like walking and then didn't walking, but man, he got rowdy in there for POTUS, man. Yeah, it got was, real rowdy. That was a pro-Trump crowd. Oh sure. yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so I, I I enjoyed that just the the spectacle of it all. Um, the Golden Girls, LSU, they they Golden Girls. they they live up to the hype. They got neck in. Oh, in. I was only disappointed. That was the one part of the broadcast. Like, come on, ESPN, give us a neck. Mm-hmm. I know you're. I know you don't want to give us a neck, but just we got about on. as good as we could have hoped for. Yeah, they show the student section, and you could hear them over whatever. Yeah, they said that they as soon as it started playing, that stadium pumped noise to try to drown it out. <laughs> um, and Joe Burrow, did you see the hat he was wearing on after the game? I don't think I did. Yeah. It was, uh, I don't know who's calling him this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know uh, if I'm yeah, yeah, saying yeah. it, but... Um, BDB? Yeah, B- BDJ in BDJ, his case. okay. Yeah. yeah. BD Joe uh, was rocking that, smoking stogues, looking like a real baller, and the, the st- stupid cops. Yeah, I know. What's that about? What a bunch of narcs. You're in New Orleans, <laughs> of all places in the world, and you try to tell people you can't smoke inside? I know, like, I know. Get the hell out of here. I'm just glad that at least one cop is like, dude, chill the hell out, man. Come on. What are you doing? Uh, the one thing that uh, also ESPN deserves much criticism for, we didn't get nearly enough Randy Moss shots in the crowd. Like, I didn't need Greg Anthony levels in the stands watching Cole Anthony, but I needed a couple more. Because this kid played awesome, man. That I mean, that the catch, so that he, of course he got the touchdown. Uh, right before half, but he had a catch on. There was a third down that he had that was contested, where it was a scramble drill, and he was running away from where Burrow was scrambling. He pivoted and just broke his man off and man, and was wide open. Like it was, it was an awesome play. He's another guy on that offense, man. He was, I believe, a three-star recruit. Went to NC State, transferred to LSU. Now he's going to be an NFL guy. They just they hit on a lot of guys on that offense. Well, and uh, I mean, you, that's a lot of that's got to be coaching. Yeah. So, like, what's going to happen? Oh, when for they sure. Start getting some dudes, you know yeah. what I mean? But that it's a double-edged sword too. Yeah, yeah. Because that's true. those guys come in with higher expectations, and there's probably not as much. I don't uh, know all in for the team type of thing too. So that's how that's what I'm interested to see with Orgeron now how he how he goes from here because this is there's no higher high than this. Can you keep it up there? Do you fall down a little bit? Stay there? Or are you are you a roller coaster up and down? What does he? How does he go? For, how did they, how do they go for here? And for LSU, man, four national titles, four different head coaches, three national titles in the BCS, CFP era. Yeah. 
when you get it right there, it's hard not to be great. That's one of the like that to there proves to me that that's one of the best jobs in college football. If four coaches can go there and all win national titles, it's but kinda, at the same time, I think it's proven that it's hard to keep it up there though. Once kinda, you get there, it's kind of like Kentucky basketball because mm-hmm. not many college basketball programs have where multiple guys can do it. Mm-hmm. Kentucky's one of the few. They've got not only do they have the second most championships, but they've had five different guys do it. Right, and a lot they of they just hadn't had the consistency over decades. So yeah. It's really just modern because a lot of it is Louisiana. They have no competition. Mm-hmm. But how do we feel about ESPN just letting their guys, their LSU guys, be the biggest cheerleaders? Oh, I love it, man. I Bo- love it. Big swagoo. You, how do you feel about Booger just being in the middle of the team on the sideline cheering on? <laughs> All right, that was kind of weird. That, <laughs> that was a little too much. Yeah. Like, like, let's get a little bit away from I, I get, like, tooting your horn when you're – on like a broadcast or something like I thought that when they because they had uh, the 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 field pass and with like McAfee right one I didn't watch on. any of that I didn't watch any of it either but you would think that would be the opportunity where you get your homers you get your they, LSU guys on one they side. did that with Alabama Georgia I think they I think they had like Mark Ingram was on one sideline with ESPN guy on the opposite sideline they had uh, AJ Green and a couple other alums where they they kind of like mm-hmm. were cheering I guess but. So, you mentioned Mark Ingram. Did we get a recreation of the Mark Ingram-Derrick Henry pick last week? I think I saw on Twitter where someone enlarged Ingram and kind of shrinked (laughs) – or enlarged Henry, excuse me, and shrinked Ingram. Uh, How about Big Deuce? How about about the Titans? Pretty nice. We'll we'll save all the tooting of the horns for Drew Franklin, but you know what? Count me as one guy who, you know – Hates you hate to see Lamar Jackson lose too and fumble. Yeah, you really hate to see it. That was great. Uh, it was great. To see Tough game for them this weekend, though, man. Yeah, to bounce to two huge row wins like that, and then have to do it again in one of the toughest places to play. But they've 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 won there this year, though. Yeah. So was Mahomes in that game? Yeah. Oh yeah, was he? I think so. We'll see. Um, and uh, I'm. I don't know this off the top of my head. Bill O'Brien, man. I mean, yeah, Bill O'Brien's <laughs> an idiot. Where Mike, like, yeah, exactly, Bill O'Brien. Like, what are you doing, dude? That guy, run the damn ball, chew up some clock, do anything but what you did, you dumb, dumb idiot. Vrabel, I mean, like, he at least knows how to, like, coach around to, like, limit possessions. We saw that, obviously, with uh, Lamar Jack. Now, the biggest question with Mahomes is he – He's so good in getting Kelsey in one on ones because that well, was that was yeah. the problem is that like scheme too. I yeah. mean, Andy Reid's is as good as there is. Yeah, and like like Lonnie Johnson, our boy got a touchdown. He made a couple nice plays early, but eventually, yeah. like he not just, many not many people can do much with Big eighty seven in space. Yeah, just Big eighty sevens in general. Like if you're an eighty seven and you're a tight end, you're gonna be a kick ass dude who can split out and mm-hmm. catch fades. And just run it with the wide receiver. Here's the thing with the Titans, man. It's going to come down to, you know, getting off the field on third down, red zone efficiency, winning the takeaway battle, and, you know, that middle eight. Can they get can they get a big swing there in the game? Because Mahomes and them, tough stop. Yeah. I I have a feeling that it's we're going to get a Chiefs-Niners. Like, I know that's chalky. It'd be a good Super Bowl. And it'd be a good Super Bowl. But – it's just hard for me to imagine. We have two matchups where 
the, we have two potential matchups like it. That could either in Miami, be, I think. I think that's where it's in Miami. Is. Yeah. So we could have a Super Bowl where it's run the damn ball, Titans versus 49ers. Mm-hmm. The, the the totals are going to be set at 33. And it's just going to be a freaking slugfest. Or we could have Aaron Rodgers see if he can outscore Patrick Mahomes. The State Farm Bowl. No matter what happens, you're going to have a Golden Boy franchise, whether it's Niners or Packers, going up against a franchise looking for their first Super Bowl. Uh, Chiefs got one. Well, yeah, that's true. That's like Super Bowl three or something. Or no, four. they they lost to the Packers. They've never won it. They they played in the first Super Bowl. Yeah, but I think they no. I, hold up. They they won it one with that coach. I don't um, think. I think they. I don't think so. Oh man, who can Google it faster? Yeah, Super Bowl nineteen sixty nine. Super Bowl four. Yeah, I was okay, right. Yeah, bad. they got one. I knew they got one of those early ones. Okay. But still, either way, they haven't. A d- a they haven't but Andy Reid. Yeah. Let's just go. Let's let's erase all that. It's Andy Reid, one of the best coaches, and he's never won it. Best coach to never win one, right? Yeah. I, Versus, kind of, you know, young, young guys would would be over there with Lafleur and Shanahan. Yeah, and the thing is too, is like, if Andy Reid wins this one, it'd be it's it'd be a nice. It's almost like Cal went in twenty twelve, where it's like, whoo. Like, cool. this thing's going to be rolling for a while. It's good to get one just It'd to kind of cool. get people to shut up. Because Mahomes, where's he going, you know? Right. Like, unless Tyreek Hill goes up and starts beating up somebody again. You know, well, like, as long as they got 15, they're going to be pretty damn good. Yeah, for a long time. Um, but I – so I, I'm ho- I'm hopeful that the Titans will get to the Super Bowl. I, I doubt it. I doubt that the Pack have enough in the tank. They just don't do anything in the second half. Halftime adjustments, what are those? Yeah, the Niners are better. Niners should, yeah, should they're a lot better. But now, on, gets hot. You never on know. to more important things. Adam Luckett, things got more interesting in the state of Mississippi. <laughs> Who knew the nature? The Egg Bowl is the most magnificent game in all of games. Because Elijah Moore did a fake piss, Hawaii. Is now on a coaching search. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick Rolovich now replacing, and he's as quirky as Leach, man. I, I like that. I like that. Hire. Yeah, it makes makes plenty of sense. Nick Rolovich going to Washington State, but it's crazy. Hey, hey we we were sitting here a week ago thinking that they were going to go Grantham, Grantham, Skip Holtz, maybe when they when when John Cohen said we're going to go outside of the box. You want to talk about? Uh, a counterpunch to Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. These schools cannot stop just going at it. They they do everything motivated on the other one. From keeping Joe Moorhead after that game and not firing him just because you were planning on firing him anyway, to hiring this guy as your coach. They were going to hire Mike Leach until Lane Kiffin was at Ole Miss. I'm convinced. It's a sibling rivalry, man. It's just... It's, it's so childish. It's it, hilarious. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's truly incredible. And it sounded like it came down to Sark and Leach. I think they interviewed them both twice. And they decided to go with Leach. And for him, he's been trying to get out of Washington State for a little bit now. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is just a – like he he feel like he's capped it out there, and I think he just wants to prove that he can do it in the SEC. 
Because right. that's uh, that. Right. Because everybody said that he couldn't. He but hell, he was there that one year at UK. Had got things rolling. Then goes to Oklahoma. Does it there? Gets that rolling. And then of all places, Lubbock and Pullman. Like you were talking about barren wastelands. Now he's like, you know what? Damn it! I'm gonna go to Starkville. They screw me over at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I'll ring a damn cowbell. I don't care. I try to wait with all these hires to evaluate after I see their coaching staff. After I see like what they're gonna do and then project it that way. So obviously Leach hasn't hired a soul yet. But I'm very perplexed to see if this this old school air raid essentially that do, they don't care to run the ball. Their <laughs> traditional run game is yeah. out the window for the most part. They're gonna run it maybe eight to nine times traditionally. But it, but they use the passing game. It's an efficiency-based passing game. They're not going fast. They're not throwing a bunch of vertical routes. They're just trying to pick you apart with mesh, crossing routes, yep. and, all, and running back out of the backfield and all different kinds of stuff. Well, six-yard, dink, mm-hmm. dink and dunk you to death. Just beating you with precision passing. Yep. Yeah, just dink and dunking you to death. How does that work? Against SEC, I, I I don't know. I'm just very interested to see it because now in the SEC, we've got kind of a wild wild west going on. Everybody's opening up the playbook because yeah. it's air raidy in in a sense that they're passing more, but it's more vertical pass mixed right. with a lot of read stuff. It's like the stuff we just talked about with LSU. It's more deep shots and trying to get you know as many explosives as possible. And then when you look at Arkansas, they hired the brawls, so they're going to be taking those deep shots. Yeah. And then you look around, LSU is probably going to try to do the same thing. Alabama's got a freshman in Bryce Young, who I think is going to be their starter, who's going to run around. I love around, that you're in on the Bryce Young run all around, the way out gonna, on Mac Jones. They're going to throw it all over the place. Listen here, man. Mac Jones may start, but I'm telling you, by the time they play LSU in November, <laughs> ain't no way, ain't no ain't no way Bryce Young ain't their quarterback. Oh, man. I, uh, I think my – the ultimate question is who wants to put their stick their neck out to be a defensive coordinator for Mike Leach in that in the SEC? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because somebody will do it. I mean, it's going to be a big job, and they're giving him a big staff pool. Yeah, and just by mere location, they're going to dumb luck their way into some NFL defensive linemen. Yeah, well, I mean, and, they just crap them out down there, and that's why this is so fascinating because like he's going to have the most talented players he's ever had to work with. Like, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. Right. Um, so, what he can do with it, I don't know. Like, and especially on that defensive side where you just gas teams if you go too fast and you, you get them on their heels. How do SEC defense – like, are they able to get separation? Like, I, there's so many questions I have. It is – I, I kind of – I'm going to pull up their schedule because – They go to NC State in the non-con. They get Tulane at home. That's going to be a tricky game. Yeah, well, because that guy is staying there, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so and they're good, and so he gets to okay, he gets a warm up against Arkansas, um, third week of the year, and then A and M at home, at Alabama, at LSU, Auburn. So that, that's October, ain't it? Yeah, their October's silly, and then November <laughs> calms down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, their October's A and M. Uh, at Alabama, at LSU, Auburn. That's brutal. Uh, so they'll be limping into Lexington November 14th, making his triumphant return, uh, but at least have enough time to get his feet wet underneath him. Uh, before trying to, to – like, 
It really is just hard for me because he's got to go to the portal well, to find a quarterback. Yeah, for sure. I would have just been – well, he, he would like to have Bo Allen because that's yeah, kind of hey, – that's the system to get for him. Bo. Yeah. Right. When I look at it, Mississippi State, man, is a power program that – just beats the crap out of you, yeah. and that's how they win football games. Front four and, and this, power. <laughs> this is as far as far away from that as they can possibly get. Oh, because on offense, they're going to throw the ball all over the place. They're going to run eight to ten, pretty much plays, and they're going to get really good at those plays, and that's it. But when you look at their offense, they got a bunch of plotters—not plotters, I should say—long striders, tall guys at receiver, and he needs quick, shifty guys to run across the field. <laughs> and then you, they, he's got a damn. Tight end, power back, Garrett Schrader, who I don't, this doesn't seem like the offense for him. No. no. So, what So what do they do? And then on the offensive line, man, they just got, you know, road graders. Ballers. Yeah, you need some athleticism. Right. So, I am just really fascinated. I would be a lot higher on this hire if he was at a place like Missouri. Yeah, or Ole Miss. Well, Missouri. I mean, even Ole Miss is one with finesse before. You don't have that. Missouri doesn't have the one team he has to beat. Yeah. So he can just kind of lollygag around, get to six, get to seven. Everybody's happy, but no matter what happens, he does. It's all going to come. It's the, the, the daggone egg bowl. It doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter if they're number two in the country, Keep ten and one, going to the SEC championship next year, or if they're two and, two and nine. You better beat them bastards from up north. <laughs> I mean, that's just it's. That's all it is. So it's it's him, and let's be, let's be real. They're going to get their ass kicked on the recruiting trail by Lane Kiffin, more likely than not. But I don't know. That's the thing. I really don't. I it, Nothing would shock me with this Mike Leach hire. It could be any possible outcome, and I would not be shocked whatsoever at all. I mean, hell, Michael Crabtree, one of his guys in love, was doing stuff for 10 years. Gardner Minshew, Minshew Mania last year. Right. He can he can strike on some weird dudes well, and they, it turn out well. Well, here's what's going to happen. Every quarterback he gets probably going to lead the SEC in passing and are going to be right up there. They're mm-hmm. going to rank high in a passing efficiency. That's just, they, He just craps out you're gonna the quarterback get, play. You're going to be a third to fifth round draft pick in the NFL. They're not going to be runners. They're going to be pocket passers. But just how does how does, how does does it work? And how does it fit? It, feel, it, it feels like a square peg round hole in that job. But personality-wise – I think it's it's does it? I see. Here's the thing. I think that Mississippi State fans will love that he says whatever he thinks. I think they'll love that quality about him. It's not always going to align directly with their beliefs or whatever. But I think they're going to love that he's a straight shooter. And I think that. But he'll snap. This is what I'm. He'll snap back at him though. And I just don't. Oh yeah, he will. He. I mean, he snapped back when they because. Here's the thing. You mentioned it's that about when that one big game. That's when he sucked at Washington State. He can never be Washington. And he snapped back to the reporter after the Apple Cup this year. Whenever somebody was like, he was just like, well, they're just recruiting better. better. You're right. Well, they just they couldn't beat Washington because they asked Jimmy Lake, who's Washington's head coach now. He would tell them after every year he's because those staffs didn't like each other. Yeah. And that was a that's a big robbery. And that's what he's walking into here. They go. They run the same eight, nine, ten plays. Every year, nothing changes, and we just know how to stop it. Figured it out. Right. And going against, you know, what happens if the four or five teams in the West, just that's what it is. Uh-huh. So but so I also think, though, from a personality standpoint, Mississippi State, they are the little brother in 
the Magnolia State. Like from a socioeconomic perspective, yeah. like well, they're they're in the, the, in the West in general. Yeah, they're the these kind of hardworking blue collar. We're gonna go to work. and We're gonna beat you up. And that's our only way is to beat you in the back alley. While you know all you foo foo. Uh, you know, you're wearing your 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 white blue Oxfords up in Oxford, mm-hmm. trying to show off. But you know what? We're we're the and outlaws that are come up there and kick built, your ass. Built on junior college players. Yeah, I think that there's the outlaw that Mike Leach is this guy who doesn't fit in. Yeah. I think I think there's Maybe. a certain aspect where that can play in Starkville. Yeah, I mean they're all in right now, which that's obviously going to help, and that they they quit on the last coach. So quickly, it's they're going to give him a longer leash. Obviously, yeah, yeah. it's great for us. Oh man! I mean, we're going to get great content out of that. Kiffin and Kiffin and Leach just trading my first. Barbs. Hopefully, my first SEC media days. I think I'm going to pick a good one to go to. <laughs> no shit! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's going to be a doozy. He, but now he's saying they're him and Kiffin are friends. Well, uh, I we'll love see how that goes. Kiffin, his first like day on the job, he's in Starkville recruiting pictures at Starkville High School recruiting. Right. You know, so that's that's going to be a war. I just, I'm I'm happy that but, at least it's a spicy hire, but I really can't. But we're both hyping it up, and everybody's going to hype up that game. And like when we go, like when media days come, they're going to probably talk on the same day, and that's all they're going to talk about. Egg bowl, in Atlanta. Egg bowl. Yeah. And it's going to be previewing a game versus probably a four and seven and three and eighteen. Because I think both of them have kind of kind of rebuild this. Mm, yeah, Kiffin could do something with John Rice Pumley if he doesn't. If See, he I think it's around. the other quarterback that he's that's going to be oh, the guy. Oh, Corral. Mm-hmm. Really? Because they want because Kiffin wants to throw the ball and yeah. John Rice isn't. I just he's like run first quarterback. John Rice Pumley is just such a freaking old Miss. Oh yeah, for sure. Like he plays piano. You know, like uh, he's his name's John Rice for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, Christ he is. He is. He is uh, Ole Miss quarterback through and through. So, oh man, I just when I first I watched them play Cal when they lost early in the season. That was like his first. Oh game yeah, game. and he got stopped like at the one. And they're saying John Rice, so I just thought his last name was Rice. <laughs> then I saw Plumley on the back. I was like, what? Damn, he's supposed then to be a Duke. And wrong, then, I, then, I, then he doesn't even know how to spell Rice. Yeah, R H Y S. Yeah. Oh God, that is so Ole Miss. I know, man. Jesus, you just can't get the stink out of your mouth. That was that. So that's that happened a week ago. It feels like an eternity ago because, like you said, like it, we had so much happening uh, along with Anmar Stewart being hired to be Kentucky's defensive line coach, and. If I'm going to hit on one thing, it's continuity. Yeah, familiarity with staff. Oh man, program. staff, program, culture. Uh, just Could be from, here a while. Yeah, uh, he's not going to take up a lot of that salary pool, so Coach Stoops can get he can get weird with that that tenth hire. And he played with Sharman, so there's obviously that relationship there. And offensive and defensive linemen, they're working a lot together. Yeah, in practice. yeah, exactly. So I think that's significant. And I mean, he knows these. He's, he just coached these guys a year ago. Uh, and he's in, and I, I'm not the one who's sitting there at camp, like who's just going through and through how he's coaching up these guys. Roland loved the way that he taught, and F- Freddie, he's all in on the way. I mean, he worked with Stewart for that one year they were there. And if this guy does nothing but develop the talent that he's been given, then boom, that's all you need. 
That's what you needed in that Just hire. a big question with him. He's got a unique background, obviously. That background tells me he can coach a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, playing the Canadian football, just playing football that long. and 12 years, yeah. yeah. And then getting right into coaching and grinding it out. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be able to. I think he's going to be able to coach the X and O's and, and develop his players. But really just what, what does he bring to the recruiting table? I mean, I think that's the big question. We don't we don't really know. So no. he's never – I don't think he's – you know, at App State, that, but he's never really had to recruit, I don't think. He's so. uh, from the Panhandle. So, like Panama City. So, yeah, ideally you can, you know, there, there's some there's some players in there. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. I, I really don't – I mean, Canada. I mean, he's been – he lives in Canada a lot of his life. Well, hell, they had a commitment from that one kid who ended up at Florida from Canada. Lamar Goods. Yeah. 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 So, um, so we'll see. But uh, that hire happened. And then we, we – all the dust settled on juniors making announcements. Were you surprised to hear that A.J. Rose is coming back for one more year? No, I wasn't. I think if you would have asked me sometime in November, I would have I would have said that that's probably a likely one. But just seeing how he finished the season, and then social media wise, he was tweeting out like he was he, he was a player that wasn't planning to go anywhere. So I was not surprised. From by a him. the thing about Rose that unlike I, th- I think he learned from Dorian Baker because those two either played on the same team. They're from really. They're close. from Cleveland. Yeah, yeah they're they're from. I think they went to a different, different high school. Different heights. Yeah, they got all. They got seventeen high schools in the Cleveland area, but they were boys. And Dorian didn't learn at an early age that you can't get too high or too low. And I think that's a lesson he taught AJ in his redshirt year. And Rose has always been one of those guys that like I know it's just interviews. Like I, I don't know him. Like. I, He's not texting me and telling me how he really feels. But he's a guy who's always good or bad, just kind of stayed steady. And I think he realizes that, okay, I was showing some progress at the end of the year. Coach Grant's going to stick with me because I'm doing things the right way, for better or worse. And three, he can. I think he can do a lot more if he's got Terry Wilson at quarter. He's a guy who's going to benefit from having Terry Just back. a pass game. Yeah. Catching balls out of the backfield. Because I think like he's a guy who he's been good in pass bro. He gets explosive plays. If he proves he can catch passes consistently, he can go to the NFL. The only issue with their utilization of Rose is just the short yardage stuff and the efficiency. Because there's a lot of negative one yard, two yard, there's just run stuffs in there. You just can't you can't play him on third down to short. You and, just can't. I'm just I'm over there. There were times early in the year where he wasn't providing that big play pop. So like it wasn't the playing him was you know a little worth the risk, and I think that's why we saw his carries go down mm-hmm. in November. And that's where their backs merged. He got but, him at the end of the year. He had a great game in Belk Bowl. But just yeah, bottom line though, depth. I mean, you got to have depth at that position. So now you look at next year, they're going to have all three of their backs back, and you, when you bring if you put their yards together, no one is going to have more yards no, no. at that spot. I I tweeted it out. I want to say it's like twelve hundred yards from that spot. It's he like had six, over six, six and a half, maybe yards per carry. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, somewhere there. So it, they, no, it might even be up to fourteen because I think he had like eight hundred, and I think one of them had five. Yeah. Yes, they. Rose had eight hundred and Smoke had like three eighty. No, they they were all over five hundred. Smoke were? had like six hundred and change, and then Rodriguez was around five hundred and something. So yeah, that's that was more. It might have been like nineteen hundred then. Yeah, yeah. We just did some battle math. going to math there. Yeah, but <laughs> either way, either either way, they're gonna have a ton of returning production. Yeah, and then you add Travis Tisdale to the mix. Juton McLean is a guy I'm really high on, but it's looking likely that he's probably gonna have gonna redshirt just from a number standpoint. Yeah, 
But he showed up early in class right. uh, on he's campus. On campus he's right one now. of the early enrollees. They got 12. 12 guys, uh, some of the biggest stars in the class, uh, two of which are transfers and Jeremy Flax and Joey Gatewood, who, man, that's going to be fun when we finally get a look at him. Right, can't wait. Man, it's going to be when I'm doing like paternity leave, too. Well, you're going to have to live vicariously through me. So I know that I'm going to go to the spring game. But if they have one of those like, oh. Awesome. That's what you're going to, that, because that's the best part. Yeah. In, in Saturday if, scrimmage. Yeah, exactly. If they just open up one of those like random days, like I'm going to be like, honey, I'm going to take a little break. You, you know, is that cool? And she'll I'm going pop- to cut the grass. I'm going to be gone for about six hours. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, w- I want to see that guy. Um, a couple other, like Joe Williams, that dude's a freak athlete. Um, like He's got ball skills out yeah. the wazoo. So, like, I, well, what's to say that he can't do something, at least during the spring? Uh, Jeremy Flax, are they going to be putting him in at left guard, see if he can play there and fill in the hole for well, Stenberg? Like, and for me, it's seeing the all the guys are redshirted last year, too. Yeah, they're you know? bas- it's basically a whole new class. Yeah, so mm-hmm. there's when you add all that up, it's – it's almost thirty guys that you're going out there to just yeah. you know see what they they look like and who's going where, who's running with the twos, is some getting in with the ones. Yeah, but if Bo Allen, we'll get to see him swinging around. I've right. watched Bo Allen throw and more like that, than any gonna, other future you. They're going to play a lot in the spring. Yeah, because you don't have Terry. Terry. So from the way that things look, I. Th- I have a feeling he will do individual he stuff. Might be able to throw some. And maybe do some like white seven on seven, which is scaly, and they've got the little uh, those uh they're like on wheels, yeah. the offensive linemen yeah. that are on wheels. It's like uh, for those at home, it think of uh uh what the pitcher stands behind in batting practice. They've got those the on Yeah, they've got like them on like carts to act as like a pass rush coming after him. I could see Terry Doing a little bit of that, if nothing yeah. else, throwing just one on ones to quarterback or to receivers and DBs. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. for sure, he should be able to do that. Yeah. Thing. So, um, but we've got plenty more podcasts to get to what to expect from spring and early enrollees and all that. But we don't have that much. Like it'll it'll be gone before we know it. If we don't talk about uh, a rogue missing finger in Athens, Georgia. Is that the most SEC thing <laughs> you have ever heard? Oh, Watch that what TV, the hell? Mr. Rouse. Is that new? Right there? I don't know. It looks like Michael Scott's TV. This <laughs> <laughs> house. It's plasma. Oh, my gosh. It is exactly Michael Scott's TV. It, it is, does look like it. ever been a 22 <laughs> <laughs> So, you're just like to stand here and watch TV. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> um, so, oh, where was Oh, Pinky. Pinky Gate, Caden Mays. How do, like, did you see the video where the guy crosses his legs and crunches his nuts? Like, it was on Twitter over the summer, I think. I, I don't remember this video. Okay. But I, I yeah, sure. I, that's I, what I, that's what I imagine. Like, I'm guessing he was in a stadium seat. And when he went to sit down, he, like, sat on his finger and it got stuck. Or he got, got caught. It got the, yeah, the, the underneath. I, I think I know, like, I think he the, there's a handle and then there's the underneath the seat, maybe behind it, and the, it gets tight right there. And mm-hmm. then I guess it just, you know, I'm assuming he's a big boy. Yeah, he was an uh, offensive lineman at Tennessee. And I guess he just yeah. sat down real fast and got just his finger. Whack. 
and he, I don't know, who knows. And uh, Sam Pittman threw it on ice. <laughs> New Arkansas head coach went right over there, picked it up. Which I love, great sense of awareness. You know, well, offensive line coach, you've probably seen a lot of fingers get trapped in a lot of places. <laughs> so I don't know I don't know if Sam Pittman was panicking. He's probably, well, I've been here before, brother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. Yes, but, sir. <laughs> so so here's, here's my theory. Because this happened while Cade, who was a top 25 recruit at uh, – when he was being recruited from Knoxville. He was committed to Tennessee. The Butch Jones stuff happened. He decommitted. And that was a big deal because no one thought he was ever going to leave Tennessee. So what happens is I think this finger game ha- happens. Sam Pittman saves the day, puts Pinky on ice. Son decides to commit to Georgia. And now two years later when Sam Pittman leaves and the the, the, the timing wheel, is interesting. The wheels are getting a little wobby, wobbly. Kay decides, all right, actually, I'm going to go back to Tennessee. And, oh, wait, let's go ahead and file that lawsuit today, two years after the fact. Oh, it just so happens to be when I enter the transfer portal to go back to Tennessee. And because here comes Tom Mars, the the number one attorney for Justin Fields, Oh, for uh, Tathan Martell, for who, for all that. Tathan. So he is the guy that, that – Makes, the, people makes the NCAA bow out. Yeah, makes them say uncle. Yeah. So that's going to happen. And now you have a guy who started at pretty much every position yeah, on the offensive line for Georgia. Everything but center. Is going to Tennessee. And now you look at Tennessee's offensive Trey line. Trey Smith's coming back. What? I, I was surprised. What? Yeah. Dude, it's like could be dead. Because he's playing with like blood clots, and instead of just like cashing in, he's he said, like, "I'm gonna I think play his mom year. passed away, and I think like he made a promise to his mom he would graduate, so that's why he's staying. He hadn't graduated yet. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I but know. Tennessee's blood clot. I know. I was surprised, man. Was so surprised. they're getting Mays. They got Trey Smith back. They got Mays's baby brother. Yeah, Cooper. Yeah. So the he had, but their two tackles last year were five star freshmen. Wanya yeah. Morris was a left. The right tackle, his name's escaping me. They started at least half the year. And then at center, Brandon Kennedy got a six year of eligibility. He's an Alabama transfer. So you just like talent wise, just go by recruiting rankings. That's four damn five stars. And then Kennedy was, I'm pretty sure, a four star. I mean, now that that, that Tennessee O line Outside of Trey Smith, kind of stunk for a lot of the year last yeah. year. But now you know, I don't want to say crown them and say they're going to be, you know, the biggest difference maker on that team. But I mean, that's a that's a big deal to get Cade Mays to have a guard combo. I would assume that would be Cade Mays and Trey Smith. I mean, that's gonna that's an NFL level guard combo. So yeah, I mean Tennessee, can they finally get a thousand yard rusher? I mean, you can't get them with those guys. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, that's a that's a big deal. And I find the timing very interesting when they decided to drop that lawsuit. But Georgia losing Pittman. That the, was big. Oh man, they're having an exodus. Everybody that could leave early for the draft was leaving early. Yeah. The hell, even the running back that signed with them, um, back got out of a letter of intent, right. which you rarely see. Right. So something's weird going in Georgia. But they did get one guy. They got Jamie Newman, mm-hmm. the Wake Forest uh, grad transfer, which. Um, you know, pardon me, but I'm not going to get all bent out of shape for some ACC you know, Wake Forest quarterback. Listen, like listen, I'm not shaking my boots over listen, that. Come on, Newman had a really good year, but kind of like he's a lesser Kelly Bryant. I mean, we saw Kelly Bryant didn't have a huge you know impact for the most part this year. I think it's kind of the same with Newman, but in that scheme he was at, 
at Wake Forest. Now, I will say PFF is pretty high on him. They say his deep ball and his touch on these vertical passes is pretty damn good. So that's something we're going to have to watch. But how can you trust Georgia after this offense we saw last year with James Coley, that they're going to put him in a position to succeed? He can run the ball, but it's not anything that just scare you. Mm-hmm. And and we'll I mean we'll see I I think scheme had a lot helped him a lot at Wake Forest if they're throwing him in like a traditional pro style what does that look like I, right. I mean I, that's something I'm I'm interested to see but it's not I'm not shaking my bootstraps right. by any means right. like it's a like to me it's a downgrade from Drake Fromm yeah yeah I'm I, and Jake Fromm wasn't at his best most Jake Frommiest this year either now he he hurt now what's gonna help Newman that Fromm didn't have. George Pickens is a sophomore. The, their other best receiver was the Blaylock, the brother of the Blaylocks that played at Kentucky. Uh-huh. He's a sophomore now. So they're going to be older at receiver, and I think that is going to help. Right, right. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm George, George's offense, and they lose DeAndre Swift. Now they got, you know, James Her- Cook. Harrion was gone, is gone Harian's too. has gone too. Yeah. The top two rushers. But Cook and Samir White were, you know, five-star recruits, but yeah. they, we haven't seen that from them yet. So Georgia's in a weird place right now. Now I want to preface this by saying that defense is still going to be yeah flat out nasty. And Kentucky doesn't play him till the end of the year, so a lot of good and bad can happen uh, until that game. But going into the season, you're power ranking it below a road trip to Florida, like without a doubt, uh-huh. as far as degree of difficulty. So uh, uh, I, I'm just yeah, Georgia's. This is a big year coming up for Kirby Smart, no doubt, because he came in with the hell. It's just wild when they well they just dominated the SEC East the last three years and they have one now SEC the East is title. catching up yeah they and have one SEC title and it feels like they left a lot of meat on the bone and it's if you do the graphics too like it it's like identical to how Mark Rick was yeah I don't but Mark Rick wasn't recruiting like Kirby was recruiting yeah well Kirby might be getting left in the dust just ask saving we'll see we'll see yeah. I'm also interested to see this next recruiting class because it seems like a lot of things are going against yeah. Kirby right now yeah. You hate to see it, which whenever I say that now, I try to sound more and more like uh, Eric from Boy Meets World. No, not Eric. Uh, what's the main guy? Corey. Corey. Oh, yeah. I for- you hate to see it. I forgot he yeah, said that. Yeah, yeah, he said that. He's big on that. Um, but I think we touched – I mean, we just went an hour and ten minutes. And you know what I forgot? Odell Beckham just handed out hundreds on the field after the game. Not giving a damn. He don't give a damn, man. I mean, that is. He went to the Browns. He don't give a f. <laughs> he don't give a f about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, and then the LSU just be like, "Oh no, it was fake money." They were they were giving them fake money. That's what it was. Yeah. Oh man. Well, just, he. I think it was just Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he also did it with. Uh, he ain't coming back. Yeah, but he did it with Chase too. I think. Oh, did he? Is, this, hmm. is Chase a junior? Let's see here. I think he's a true sophomore. Jamar Chase. I thought he did. He did it to two guys at least, but Je- Jefferson was the big one. Let's see here. Jamar Chase, 2019 Belitnikoff Award winner. That's pretty good. At a Harvey, Louisiana, Archbishop Rummel High School, is a true sophomore. So he'll be back next year. Oh, okay. So unanimous All American. Yeah, man, Derek Stingley. That dude is going to be so good. What a. No wonder that boss man fat was trying to get out. Like, <laughs> Derek Stingley's a stud. How are you going to play over that dude? Yeah, that somebody asked me that on Twitter. 
They just they just had a load of riches there. <laughs> yeah, like they got they got good problems. Right. Poor Coach O. Woe is me. Well, th- this was fun. Look, it. I'm just sad that we don't got more college football to talk about. I think it's 227 days till week zero. Ooh, is there a good week zero this year? I think they move. No, they moved that to Friday. I, I don't know if they've announced it yet. I'm sure there will be. I think that Miami Florida game was a big hit. Wisconsin was the game. That Wisconsin Indiana. I think they just moved. Did they, they move moved that to it week? Friday? Yeah, yeah that's it was what just it was. a Friday. That's what you're thinking. Of. No, there is one. Notre Dame plays in Ireland on week zero this year against Navy. I think no. Uh, I think it's Navy. I think it's is it Navy or Boston College. <sighs> they did that's Boston the one. College at Fenway. I think I know some people going to that one. who are like planning to go up for that trip, which the Irish playing in Ireland. Like Yeah, it's Navy. Navy in Ireland on Saturday, August 29th, which is week zero. Week zero, man. But that that the sucks about that is probably going to be played at like, you know. I remember when Tolls and Boston College played a few years ago. It was like at 7 a.m. It came on before game day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm – now we've reached the offseason, though. You know what I'm, I think I might do like it? ESPN did all that uh, 150 stuff of college football. SEC did the Saturdays down south. I don't need that stuff during the season. I need it like now. It's all on demand. I think I saw they put it on demand. Yeah, so I think yeah, that's – I'm going pl- to plow through it too. Yeah. Whoa, we might – ooh, we, we can make it uh, the 11 personnel book club. <laughs> so maybe uh, – They have – I mean, they got a lot. I mean, there's a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, so let's we'll, – we will – let's just say we'll watch the, the first one. I don't know. What, what, how do you, they organize it? I think they did decades or something like that. They did that with the the SEC one. Okay. I what? think they did national, like college football in general. I think they did. All right. I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I think they had themes. Now, no, no, that's right. The SEC did decades, but I think nationally, nationally they, had they did themes. Okay. So it'll probably be one of those deals where um, we'll do like the players one. So, okay. Which one sounds good? Sounds like the most fun. Um, Is there a recruiting one in there? Um, no. Um, they have football. Is no wait. That's that sucks. No, we're not gonna do that one. The American Game. <laughs> See, I watched the first one. The first that they played after that Miami Florida game, but that's the only one I've seen. I just love that. So this is like a press release from last year. Um. Which, by the way, Banner Society did a thing that this really shouldn't be the 150th anniversary of college football because the first college football game that Rutgers played resembled nothing to do with the sport we know as today. Well. Like 10 years later, they were playing football. The The sport they played in 1869 was not really it. But either way, we'll, we'll pick we'll pick one or two. We might not do it this week, but we'll, we'll make that like a, a fun little off-season homework. So we got NFL football to talk about next week. I'm sure some more college football news will happen. We, the second signing day. Yeah, that's coming, coming down up. The um, and uh, I'm going to Arkansas this weekend. Big game, man. Woo pig. It's a big. They'll be, they'll be calling the 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 hogs. That place is gonna get rowdy. Yeah, yeah. They don't. They they like their basketball down there. They're one of the few places in the SEC that takes it seriously. And they're good this year. So they're gonna score a lot they of like points. They like coach. And I I just got a hunch. Kentucky's played all these teams that have been scoring. That are high-scoring teams, they've like shut them out to like sixty. I have a feeling Arkansas is finally going to hit some shots. We'll see. Somebody's do. So. Well, hey, this has been fun. Um, I hope you enjoyed uh, everything throughout this college football season, and I hope you don't get too sad. Um, we at least got conference championship games to look forward to this weekend. 
And until next time, for Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats! Go Kroger!